Hey, this is Pastor Nate Cook, and you're listening to Pontificating Pastors, a podcast where we lock two pastors in a room and just let them talk about anything and everything. My friend Michael Pig is a church planner in San Marcos, Texas, and I'm a traditional church pastor here in Midwest City, Oklahoma. Today on the podcast, Michael and Nate are back together after being apart for what seems like an eternity. After Nate's return from the International House of Prayer and a monastery, we examine what might it look like to even curse during prayer. So sit back and relax, and we hope you'll enjoy this episode of Pontificating Pastors. Hey Michael, how's it going this week? It's going well, Nate. How are you doing? Good. I should say, how's it going this month? Seems no like more. it's been that long since we talked, but busy, busy lives. I went to a class in Kansas City, and I got some interesting perspectives on prayer. Oh, yeah? Cool. Yeah. So we'll one day we went to uh, the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, which is a little more charismatic than maybe my normal taste, but... Um, it was pretty interesting. We sat through a two-hour session, and this was called Worship with the Word. And what they do for that two hours is they basically take one psalm, and they sing parts of it, and kind of riff like jazz musicians throughout the about an hour of it, because the first 30 minutes is kind of a warm-up with some worship songs, and the last 30 minutes is kind of a cool down with the next worship songs, but they kind of live in this psalm for like an hour singing parts of it. And uh, it's kind of a, there's definitely an art form to it. So one of the ladies will actually talk out like, like if it's, I thirst for you, God. And it's funny because have you ever heard those Evanescence old songs, you know, like, oh yeah, uh, you remember Evanescence? So it's more like, I thirst for you, God. It's like this real breathy kind of like, Uh Uh-huh. And then, you know, there's a worship band like playing and then this other um, lady might like just riff off of that and be like, Lord, I hunger and thirst for you. And then they, they just like <laughs> sing this whole psalm throughout yeah, like an hour. So, yeah, it was pretty interesting. I thought it might be a little more wild than than I was what I experienced. It was pretty normal, you know, and people weren't, you know, running around like crazy or anything. Uh, but there were like... 150 people there on a Tuesday at 2 p.m. Really? And I was I was really, pray. yeah, just cool. to go into a space that was reserved for worship and prayer with using the psalm. So then the next day, I got up at 5 a.m. so that we could drive an hour to Atchison, Kansas, and we went to a monastery that was a Benedictine monastery that's oh, wow. all nuns there. I guess they're still called monasteries if they're nuns. I didn't know that until I went there, but I guess different places have different names for, oh, uh-huh. uh, like, but this monastery, these sisters would sit and they faced each other and they called it the choir room. Uh, it was like a sanctuary, but, but the chairs were facing one another um, and they would sing back and forth lines of the psalm to each other. 
Oh, really? And it was almost like a feminine version of a chanting, like you would hear monks chant. But uh-huh. so I didn't even join in because I was like, man, this female voice sounds so like it's high pitch and it's beautiful. And, and they've practiced and, and there's so much theology in just the way they would sing these little chants of the Psalms. They would uh, they sing in such a way that they don't stand out so that right. it's it's the community that's worshiping and not just me you know it's not like beyonce and stuff ah, ah, ah you know like all those <laughs> like a lot of our worship bands sure. you got the the little extra inflections that the leaders will add and things and then um they they talk about how if you're not a good singer then the voice of the person next to you lifts you up uh, it's almost like you know carrying your burden in the song and then they sing the right. psalms and because they're there every day, you know, they, they commit their lives to this thing. So some of these ladies moved there when they were 20 and they're 90 years old. So 70 years every day they get up and they sing these psalms. And and the way that their psalms are, are arranged, they sing through them in about four weeks. So if you can think about how many times these ladies have sung Sweet. the same psalms and how wow. the, the word one of the ladies used was it soaks into your bones. And... Uh, mm. It soaks so into that your I, bones. That's, yeah. I mean, that's crazy. I, I I woke up this last week uh, singing um, a, uh, a rendition of Psalm 137 that was yeah. that appears in uh, in Godspell. And I thought that okay. was weird. I thought that was weird, but I felt like it soaked into my bones because we're, we're working through the Book of Lamentations right now, uh, which is... I told Shelly the other day, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to talk about sadness anymore. You know, um, I know in that movie Inside Out, you know, where the character Joy does not want sadness to have. I've any, never seen that movie. You've never seen that movie. Oh, well, I don't, no. I don't want to give it away then. But sadness, no, it's okay. Sadness knows the way for Joy to be at the helm. That's kind of the point of the show. Uh, oh wow! But yeah. Um, Anyway, it just, uh, uh, I've been repeating these lamentations as part of, you know, and just reading and looking for, uh, you know, ways to preach this and, and how to better understand what I'm reading. And it's just terrible things. And, and so I feel like they are uh, leaching into my bones as well. Right. It's yeah. Been, it's been raining here for like, I don't know, 17 days in a row. It's just, it's so, bleh. and the sun so came out on Sunday. So you're living lament. Yeah. Oh yeah. The sun came out on Sunday, and I was like, yes, I love right. it. I remember you, sun. I remember that you exist, and that I am not dying. No, it was just. Uh, I mean, you know, when you're reading the laments and it's raining, it was just man. It's just been kind of depressing. I've been looking for hope, and then this week we dealt with chapter three, uh, where there's a little bit of hope right in the middle. And then back into the lament, but um, right. yeah. But one third, I, I, I wake up singing. I literally woke up singing the other morning. But how can we sing, sing the Lord's songs in a foreign land? You know, which is a, a line from Psalm one thirty seven. Uh, right. But it's uh, when they're in Babylon. Yeah, when they're in Babylon. But our, our captors here have made us sing these. Sing, made them sing a songs of Zion, but how can we sing the Lord's songs in a foreign land? It's a, it's just rough, you know. But it, I, it was part of the message, and so, yeah, uh, not all the psalms seeping into your bones would <laughs> necessarily. Well, I, that one I have not enjoyed 
Uh, yeah, isn't that the one that ends with babies' heads being bashed against yeah, the rocks? Yeah, yeah. There's like in and in, in the, it's like we wish your your baby's head would be bashed against oh, the know. rocks. You stupid Babylonians. Well, and then in the lamentation, there's the there's these lines like, "God, are you okay with this? Mothers are eating their babies. Are you yeah. okay with that? It's so terrible. Yeah. Like it's just awful. Like right. one one line says, "And you have given me gravel to chew on." Yeah, ah, that sounds wonderful. That's just I, awful. You I've know? had some diets where I feel like maybe that should be the theme verse. Like these diets where they're, you know, oh, it tastes just like a normal brownie. No, it tastes like gravel. <laughs> no, you're lying to me. It tastes. The reason why it, it doesn't like taste gravel. like a normal brownie is because there's no flour and there's no sugar <laughs> there's no and lot. all the goodness. I tried, so, I tried gluten-free bread because we got some gluten-free bread so we could serve communion. And, uh, right. and, you know, case, which I, I didn't realize was such a controversy. You know, the Catholic Church has said, no, we're not going to offer gluten-free bread. So um, here's here's my ignorance speaking. And maybe somebody can uh, email in or text in or, you know, Facebook in. I know gluten-free is an issue. Is it enough of an issue that that small of a piece will will just harm you forever? The reason why I'm wondering is no. because, you know, I've seen both sides of that story and I've and then I've seen people say, you know, Jesus died on the cross and we won't take a little gluten, it, you know, and I have friends and, and relatives yeah. oh, who are yeah. gluten free. And so I want to be sensitive to that at yeah. the same time. But I also was wondering, like, how extreme are gluten issues and are there? So maybe somebody knows there's there's diseases out there where you literally can't have gluten or you might, you know, really seriously be ill for a long time. I have no hey, idea. I was just working at being a little bit sensitive. Um, I know. Turned out that, I appreciate nobody, that about you. nobody came on Sunday who needed gluten-free bread. But I, I had it just in case, and I tried it. Well, I actually I had a... A, a friend bad. come to church and she she is gluten free and she asked if we had it and then she wasn't able to partake and I felt really horrible about it. So um, I haven't really found a great substitute up here. So maybe after we get done, you can tell me what you found or what you used. Um, so I I sent you a text of this book I picked up and I think I think what you're getting at with the lament is true if you only focus on the lament. But I think the way that I mean, you don't want those soaked into your bones, but the way that these sisters would sing the Psalms, they kind of mix them up so that they understand that prayer is about more than just like, Jesus, I need this and I need this. And oh, by the way, could you heal this person? And could you help so-and-so? But there's there's all these other aspects like Thanksgiving, like lament. And so this book I sent you the title of is Pleading, cursing and praising and i love that especially yeah. the middle word cursing because cursing. yeah you know a lot of times in in church we we sanitize even scripture you know in their original languages maybe some of the phrases are a little more harsh they almost sound like cursing um and, and we tidy it all up and it's got to look presentable and it's got to be christian you know sure. um, it's like it's like christian radio you know what words can you say in a song and it still be christian how many times do you have to <laughs> mention the name jesus for a song to make it on christian radio i mean literally sure. there are those kind of parameters that the christian industry puts on their music and that's sure. why some people have said i'm not doing that i'll go off and be a christian who makes music because I think cursing might be part of it, and we don't have to get into that too much, but <laughs> I do think the Psalms allow us to be real yeah. and honest, and and so there are those times where we lament, and it's almost like cursing. 
Sure. There are times where we're pleading with God. There are times though where we're praising and giving thanksgiving. And I know your purpose of doing this lament is then to move into thanksgiving. Sure. And I really like the way you're approaching that. Um, that that you can't praise and and give thanks unless you've actually lamented at some point. Unless you realize how de- deep your own despair can be. Right. Well, uh, it's hard yeah. to realize how great God is. <laughs> sure. Sure. It's uh, you know Walter Brueggemann. Uh, I once. I heard an interview with him where he kind of went off on a rant about how modern day praise music is just too happy. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> and now we need to, we get to that place where, uh, you know, I look around and everybody else seems to be experiencing God. Uh, and I know that I'm, I'm having a hard time connecting with God. Uh, and so when I look at everybody else and their happy faces and their raised hands, I, you know, there's one or two, uh, decision or one or two uh, uh, scenarios is playing out. Either they are able to connect with God and I am not, or they are lying. Right. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so no, no one would do that in church. Yeah. No one would wear a mask. <laughs> so come on. Anyway, that, you're so silly, Michael. <laughs> yeah, because that doesn't happen. You know. And, yeah. Right. And empty and empty offering envelopes don't get put in the plate either. Um, Does that happen? Yeah, I never have counted offering in my life. Oh no, I, I, I yeah, I've I've just seen. I know, like Taco Bell coupons have gotten put in like youth <laughs> offerings and yeah. stuff like that. Oh, yeah. I, I think that's awesome, by the way, because whoever's taking the offering maybe can go get them a chalupa for fifty cents or something. That'd be awesome. <laughs> well, but no, um, yeah, I I totally agree that that one of the things we don't allow is for real honest conversation at times sure. and and I think when I was growing up there was always this thought that like um you know if you if you kind of if things are going bad that what what joy means is just to smile and praise Jesus anyway and uh, <laughs> yeah. I think the psalms allow us to say no that's not true joy means that deep under the despair we know that we're not completely hopeless that sure. there is hope yeah. But in the moment, we might not even feel that hope or sense yeah. that hope. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I had a, I a just, parishioner come up to me at the end of service on Sunday, and he said, you know, sometimes I just got to say, oh, yeah, I decided I believe this. Even when I don't, I believe it. Right, and yeah, even just, when I don't feel it. Yeah, yeah. He, he just he's a, a, he's a wonderful man, uh, and he's got a lot of just character. And uh, he said uh, about lamentation, he said... I, you know, it's just uh, sometimes I'm driving down the road and I'm getting all angry about something that I've been angry about for years, and I and I I'll, then I laugh at myself and go, "Oh, thank you, Lord, for reminding me that I'm done with this. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> I'm not lamenting this anymore." You know, and so every right. every week he's always got this this line uh, that he shares with me about how he how he processed what we were talking about this morning, but I. That's the, awesome. Yeah, yeah. He's, I'm he's, glad people are processing. Oh, he's wonderful. I love him. I just want to hug his neck every time I see him. And he's like the Hayes County Santa Claus. So he play right. during the holidays. He like hires out as Santa Claus. He's got a big white beard and white hair. Sweet. He's just he's just the sweetest man. We just love having him around, and he's just uh, he's such an encouragement. Um, but we um, when you're talking about you know these nuns sitting there facing one another. Uh, which I, I watched the letters. Have you seen the letters? No, uh, it's on Netflix. You can watch it. Um, it's just called the letters, and it's the story of of Mother Teresa. 
of, of oh Calcutta. really yeah and it's just it's just wonderful um a prisoner in our congregation here in san marcus uh, uh we were sitting at lunch and uh, we were talking and uh and mother Teresa came up and and he said, I watched the great, the, just the best show about Mother Teresa the other day. You got to see it. And then after we left, he, he remembered the name of it and he texted it to me and he said, You got to watch this. And, uh, and so I said, All right, well, instead of watching Soul Surfer for the 90th time on uh, CMT, uh, this Sunday afternoon, I watched The Letters. I have never <laughs> seen Soul Surfer. Have you not? Dude, I was telling no, him, I watch but it I have every watched time the it comes on. I've been through many times. Oh, you do? <laughs> Soul Surfer, The Office, you know, same. Um, <laughs> All the same. <laughs> no, exactly. I, yeah, right. Uh, but anyway, I uh, he he. I had been watching that, and so when you said this about this nuns, I have this real picture of you know nuns sitting in this cloistered situation where they're praying all the time together. Uh, we we tried praying the scriptures. Um, we would like on Sunday nights. We would have right. a, an you know an hour hour and a half service, and we would just pray the scriptures together. Like we would take turns reading through, uh, you know, one of the gospels. We'd read an epistle. We'd read you know, and we we'd adjust the language so that everything we were saying was becoming a prayer. That's awesome. And man, that was some of the most powerful time. That was with Ray McDowell. Uh, yeah, at, he was the pastor at, at Orange First Church, and now he's the uh, my step cousin in law. Your step cousin in law, and now he's our assistant district <laughs> superintendent here in South Texas. And um, we won't track down that relationship. It's a little bit out there, but <laughs> it's a little little out there. Your step. Basically, my dad, when he got remarried, married Ray's mother in law, sister, mother in law, sister. There yeah, not mother in law. Yeah, he didn't marry her mother. His yeah. mother in law, because I I know her husband. Um, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> anyway, that's. Uh, you know, he just said, hey, well, let's try this. So we would just pray through the scriptures. And there's something very powerful about that. And that, that whole IHOP thing that you were talking about earlier, International House of Prayer, not pancakes. Um, yeah, it, I mean, I had people on my Facebook that were like really disappointed that I didn't get any pancakes. <laughs> yeah, prayer, like different prayer and pancakes kind of go together, you know. Uh, we were filled with the Holy Spirit, oh, not with okay. pancakes. All right. Very good, very good. Well, yeah. So I've been to the internet to an international house of prayer, and it's a really just a an incredible experience, uh, and it's always amazing to me just how many how many folks are there in the middle of the day. You know, like they have right. So here's something that puts something in perspective for me. So we went to IHOP the first day, and they are telling us since 1999 there has been 24 seven prayer at the International House of Prayer. That's 19 years straight. And then the next day we go and talk to these nuns and she's like, you know, if you think about us praying the hours and reading and praying these Psalms and they, they pray three times a day at their place, but some Benedictines pray seven times a day. So if you think about all the time zones, she said Benedictines have basically been praying around the clock for 1,500 years. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was like, wow. She didn't know we went to IOP the day before. And I was like, 19 years and 1,500 years. Oh, so my goodness. That tells me that no matter what you feel about uh, Catholic Church, about monasteries, uh, oh. they, they maybe have some things to teach us because sure. they've been doing this for a long, long time. And the thing that I noticed was both places, though they were very different, and you can imagine how different they were. Oh, sure. 
sure. technology wise, um, you know, belief system of their parent churches. But both of them were immersing themselves in the psalm. So sure. I was thinking when we begin to think about prayer, um, we probably should look at the prayer book of the Bible more than we do. And this is for me and my own congregation. We read one psalm every Sunday. Uh, we read we read the psalm from the lectionary. Sometimes right. there's two to choose from, and we pick yeah. one of them. And we have someone that gets up and reads it. But I was thinking as I, I teach my people about prayer, the Psalms really need to be an integral part because sometimes we don't know what to pray. And sometimes we just tend to then to shift to our own needs. And this week I even preached about how, you know, the request of James and John, we want you to do whatever we ask Jesus. Right. Um, that that kind of becomes our prayer life sometimes. Hey, I need this and this sure, and this and this. We yeah. want you to do whatever we ask. So I the actually, Psalms help yeah. balance us so we can cry out, so we can give thanks, so yeah, we can yeah. praise God, the Creator God. And then so we also get to ask. I mean, that's part of it, but it's not the whole thing. This, this whole Lamentations experiment for me is really reminding me about the, the value of honesty in prayer. You can't hide yeah. what you're feeling from God. You can't hide. So right. why do you pretend? Like why do we try? Yeah, like you're sitting, like you've been called into the boss's office and you're communicating with him and you're trying to impress him or butter him up or whatever. You know, uh, I just, this week I just said, Lord, I don't know if I know how to pray a, a prayer that's not selfish. Yeah. Like, I, I, I love Thomas Merton prayers. <laughs> One of his prayers is like, Lord, I realize I have no idea what I'm doing. That's kind of like the beginning. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But Thomas I know Merton. that my desire yeah. to please you does actually please you. Yeah. A monk with a baseball just cap like, on can, can yeah. lead me in prayer, you know. Um, and Thomas Merton. What? Is, yeah. Thomas Merton. I just saw a picture of him. Where he had on. Did you say someone with a baseball cap? A monk with a baseball cap on. See, you got to remove the cap when you pray. No. Michael, come on now. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm I got a kidding. visor. I'm kidding. So I've been wearing a visor, okay? And my family is like, Dad. Are you Bob Stoops? <laughs> yes. Sorry. Very much. It, with my hair all country. crazy sticking out of the top and of it. And Steve Spurrier was his mentor, and Steve Spurrier was the original visor. So. Yeah. Well, I just liked it had a rattler on it, and you know we're the San Marcos rattlers, yeah, and, and yeah, um, which I know you know our our area code is seven eight six six six, and we're the snakes, um, so it's not you know. <laughs> but anyway, the people. Well, point Kevin Durant is a snake around here because the way he left Oklahoma City. They oh, call him the snake! They call him the snake. That's terrible. Um, I do, yeah. But uh, I got this visor. And I'm wearing it, and uh, and it comes time for meal times, and I go, do I really do I have to take my hat off if I'm wearing a visor? <laughs> You're only half as holy. Because is, you is, still my, have the, is my is my head really covered? I, I think I'm wearing it because you know. <clears throat> I know why you like the visor because you like your hair always gets real wild, and that you just let it fly. <laughs> it and does. So and my kids in are the like, visor, you can still get the wildness. Oh yeah, yeah, you get the wildness, and but you get the you get the permission. Right, because if I just walked around with my hair like that, people are like, "Do something about your hair." But right. you put a hat on, it covers it up. You put a visor on and let it stick out. Then it's almost like you know Hannah Montana, the best of both worlds. There so you go. It's just uh, you know, I, but that's beside the point. 
before um, she was Miley Cyrus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's yes, very much before she was Miley. Of course, you know, we still we still she love did Miley. come in like a wrecking ball. Yes, she did, which so, which so did gave us some good laughs on our council. Ryan Haney, I mean not Ryan Haney. Ryan, Ryan Amy. Ryan Shout Amy. out to Ryan Amy. Yeah, Ryan Amy came in like a like a wrecking ball. I, I don't he know why I said to, Ryan Haney. Wanted to perform that. Um, but uh, I don't think that would have gone over very well. Yeah, we it's a good thing we didn't let him do that. Yeah. But uh anyway, I uh I, yeah, I think that whole you know, the in within the 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 show about Mother Teresa the letters um Oh uh, yeah, we were going somewhere that. With that was the that was the uh, kind of uh the impetus of the entire thing was she she had her prayer life. Like Whenever she came up against uh, uh, an obstacle, she would just say, "I will seek the Lord's will on this," and then she would right. just pray. She would just pray, and she would get her, you know, she would tell her bishop what she was praying, and she would, you know, and that's what the letters oftentimes were that she was writing were letters to her to her bishop, uh, telling him what uh, what she was praying and how she was feeling, and um, just a there was so much honesty in her prayer. And and the film just takes you through like the major hurdles that she faced, and how uh, in prayer God answered them in miraculous ways. Like you know even the you know the the house the home for the dying, you know the the building itself was given to them by the municipality. Uh, oh wow! And and it was a it was a Hindu temple, <laughs> like. That's what it That's was. That's awesome. Yeah, and the Hindus, you know, were frustrated and they thought she was going to proselytize everybody, but she wasn't there to proselytize. She was there to make to sure that people. those who were dying in the streets had, were surrounded by loving faces. You know? Yeah. So just, I mean, just Man, incredible. That's great. But all through prayer, everything she did was through prayer. Like, and and this woman who cha- literally changed the world. Like, yep. I mean, when we say, "Oh, well, we're going to go out there, we're going to change the world," this. This little lady changed the world, and she did it in a in an attitude of prayer, in a heart of right. prayer, and you know she's just incredible. We saw Shane Claiborne not too long ago. I know Brent and I sent you a yeah, picture to make you're, you jealous. You're punks. You know, one time well, his Brent, favorite... Brent sent me a picture of Shane Claiborne, and he had invited Shane to <laughs> to pose like I was standing there because I wasn't standing there. I've seen the picture. Have you seen the picture? And he photoshopped, you got photoshopped me in. in. They're all like in regular clothes, like <laughs> jeans and t-shirts and whatnot, and I'm wearing a suit and tie. And they photoshopped me in in a suit and a tie. It's hilarious. Yeah. I, well, what I love about Shane Claiborne is, you know, a lot of people talk about theoretical stuff about loving people, and then Shane Claiborne will get up there and his southern accent and he's like i grew up in you know kentucky or wherever it was tennessee tennessee yeah, tennessee and he'll be like when i was hanging out with mother Teresa," <laughs> you're like okay <laughs> let me listen to this dude because he has done it he's not theorizing <laughs> yeah. or you know pontificating like some people tend to do apparently but he's actually <laughs> he's actually been there he did it yeah done that and he has the T-shirt, although he makes his own T-shirts, I think now. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I think he makes his own clothes. But yeah, no, um, yeah, that's that's great stuff. I we could all learn from people like Mother Teresa to trust God more in prayer. Sure, and to trust and to we... trust that you can be honest with God in prayer. That you can you can cry out. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting how how those psalms that start out with the crying out turn into praise. Right. 
They yeah. turn they they move from from crying out to to praise because I was honest. If I just start right. with praise, sometimes I'm not being honest because yeah, you, know, you don't feel like praising. No, nah, I don't feel like praising. You know, sometimes not it takes me to the third or fourth stanza of a song to, you know, kind of get into it. And even at that, you know, I'm I'm really not into it. Sometimes I'm just singing mindlessly. Uh, right. You know, if there were a verse in there that said, you know what. Ugh. If there were that kind of that kind <laughs> Nobody of verse, writes music like that. Yeah, I know that'd be kind of fun. Well, first of all, it's hard for everybody to hit the same uh, at the same time. But could we just start yeah. out with a uh, <laughs> That's that's pre-coffee, Nate. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, I wake up pretty happy. My wife is the one that her coworkers even say to her, "Paula, you change after ten a.m. <laughs> it's like all of a sudden you're alert, you're active." And I've known that, you know, on Saturday mornings, I get out of the house, man. I just let her sleep because I'm like, this is her one day to sleep in. I'm not going to accidentally wake her up. I'm going to let her enjoy that sleep because mornings are not her yeah. best friends. So, well, Shelly will yeah, start I, yelling at us around like 930. If I go to bed go. now, I will get eight hours of sleep. <laughs> not happening and in then, my house. And then she just starts pushing. You know, and the close, and, right. and she just starts counting down. All right, now you've kept me up to ten thirty. I'm only getting, you know, and she starts telling I, us to the minute. That's why how they're long friends. She's gonna sleep. Yeah. Oh yeah, they yeah. like each other because they, they know exactly how many hours they're gonna get. And I always just joke <laughs> around because Paula will always tend to round to where it's less than it really is. You know, like oh sure. Oh, I'm only gonna get five hours of sleep. I'm like, well, it's almost five hours and forty five minutes. But yeah, and then you get kids playing football on a Thursday night uh, two hours away. Yes. And you show up home at 1.30 uh-huh. and you're like, there's no way I'm getting any sleep now. Yeah, that's how that works. I'm going to get about four or five hours. Yeah, so might yeah, as well just I, stay up I've now. been there and done that, man. Yeah. Except for mine, we're basketball games. Basketball. But. We have football. We have. Yeah, one of the things I love that we do now at Community that we've just started is a, a call to worship. And, and I found one online that I love. It says like... Uh, from good weeks and bad weeks, we come to worship, bringing painful memories and great, great things or whatever, great memories and painful circumstances we come to worship. I mean, we repeat this every week because it reminds us that when we walk in there, some of us are on cloud nine and some of us are in the depths of despair, but we're all coming to God together, regardless of our feelings or our week or whatever. So right. I, I love that. I think wow. it's allowed us to be a little more honest in opening. Like you said, if the first thing you do is walk in and, you know, you've got a cheerleader up there going, let's all praise the Lord, stand <laughs> up and clap and dance around. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. man, you don't even know. You don't oh. know what, I, what I've been through this week. And so yeah. sometimes we just need to be able to acknowledge it. You just need to be able to say, hey, uh, my week sucked. How about you? <laughs> right. And, and what better way to do that than in prayer? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. it's almost like sometimes we um, we start out with, uh, you know, we're starting out with praise, um, but we could start out with just an honest prayer, especially, you know, like on weeks where there was a school shooting or some horrendous yeah. thing in the news oh, and everybody's thinking about it, you know. It, and we wait till the prayer time to acknowledge right, you it, just, maybe. You do yourself a disservice if you just press on. To you know, well we got we've got we're taking in new members and we got baptisms and we got you know communion and we're going to celebrate. Well, you know, um, communion 
is it is Thanksgiving, but sometimes it's Thanksgiving for perseverance sake. You know, yeah. Sometimes it, yeah. it's not always Thanksgiving for for riches and, right. and comfort. Yeah. Sometimes it's Thanksgiving for survival. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I, Our, we survived this week. And if we're going to celebrate, we probably need to talk about what it is that we survived. Right. Yeah, I remember when we we had the last big tornado. It's been man three maybe three or four years now and uh that i it was early in the week and i was like sunday we're gonna we're gonna i'm gonna preach about lament and we're gonna lament we're just you know i wasn't gonna do that before but we're just gonna give the people and i gave them paper and just let them write out everything they were feeling and put it on the altar you know right um and trust those things to God. So yeah, I definitely think circumstances in our weeks definitely should probably shape the way we worship. Like if we're going through something, something as a community, um, that's probably a good idea and not something I honestly do. So you've given me something to think about today. I usually wait till the pastoral prayer time, but, but yeah, you're right. Maybe sometimes we just need to acknowledge that right up front. So yeah, how's the family doing? Oh, they're doing all right. They're doing pretty well. They're, that um, cut you off? No, I was just going to tell you, I heard this song, this simple little song that says, Lord, listen to your children praying. Lord, send your spirit in this place. Lord, listen to your children praying. Send as love, send or send us love, send us power, and send us grace. Oh, that's good. It was Who's that by? Do you know? Um, let me, uh, his name is... Ken, do, 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 do. Oh. Ken something or other. I can't remember. Ken, Ken something or other. Ken Medema. Ken Medema. Medema. Yeah. I know that name. Yeah. And uh, and he recorded, Lord, listen to your children praying. It's such a sweet song, but it but it reminded me that our, our Heavenly Father listens to his children praying. Um, right. You know? Yeah. It was a, it, and it was such a reminder for me, and I talked about it this week, um, about uh, Judah asked me when we moved here, uh, he said, is this hard for you? Like we were walking out of his room. He didn't want to be here. Judah, this is a public announcement that's not such a secret, but <laughs> Judah didn't want to uh, live in San Marcos. He, he didn't want to move here. He didn't want to plant a church. He wanted to live in, in Orange and stay there forever. And he actually prayed for a miracle. And I won't go into it, but God gave him a miracle answer to his prayer. Literally, wow. he set a fleece and it was visible to everybody. And he goes, oh, that's God telling me that this is his will. And that's awesome. Like, and we were like, I'm that yes, it is. But that is and it was such a inspiration. But then when we got here, he was still not happy about it. He was like, I know this is God's will, but I, I don't want to do it. And uh, and he was just grumpy. And he was complaining about everything. And one night when we're walking out of his room after he had cried and griped and complained and, and we're walking out of his room, he says, uh, and I ask his permission to tell this, by the way, for those of you who are worried about me outing my son. Uh, he, I said, can I tell that story? And he said, yeah, you can tell that story. And he said with a little pitiful, just desperate voice on my way out of the room to turn out his light at night, he said, Dad. And I turned around and I said, yes, son. He said, is this hard for you? And I said, yeah, this is hard for me. And he said, well, it doesn't look like it. And I walked back across the room and I picked him up. He's 10 years old at the time. And I picked him up, 11 years old at the time. I picked him up and I held him. 
and I sat on the corner of his bed, and he wrapped his arms around my neck and his legs around my waist, and I sat and held him while he cried. And I cried. And he, and as we wept together, I began to pray out loud for Judah. And as I prayed for Judah, he, he began to pray for me. I said, Lord, this is hard for my son. Help him. And my son said, Lord, this is hard for my dad. Would you help him? And we held each other. And it was a turning point. And I told that story on Sunday, and then Judah helped me serve communion. That's awesome. We took communion as hope. So when you ask, how's the family doing? That's my answer to how's the family doing. Uh, Yeah, well, that's... We're doing pretty well. Um, That's great. It's not all, all, you know, rainbows and sunshine. Now, on on the flip side, we sat down to lunch this that same day and Maggie goes, I'm killing it here. <laughs> I'm loving it. <laughs> so, you know, um, so we've got varying of degrees of it. Um, yeah. you know, Shelly wants to be here, wants to be in God's will. Um, and so she's, she's doing it. Um, Jonah is, uh, you know, he has good days and bad. And I would say right now that his good days outnumber his bad. By well, a large good. by a large margin, um, and so uh, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. But that's that's how the family is. I'm I'm doing okay. Uh, I, you know, my to some degree, my wife has been my counselor as of late, and she's a good counselor for me. So it's helpful. Yeah, she's a pretty good one. <laughs> yeah, and I think I'm. I hope I'm being hers. I'm not sure. She's got a new job, and it's got its own challenges. She's enjoying it, but she's, you know. It's a new new job and new work. So, but she's doing good. Right. How about your fam? We are doing okay. We're adjusting. So, got to have both boys home this weekend, and that was yeah fun. Um, the roles are different, so I think Paul and I are both still trying to get adjusted to that. Um, just trying to figure out our role as parents now. How much say we need to give on things and how much uh, oh. they'll listen to even if we give it, you know? So yeah, yeah. Uh, boys I'll... are doing pretty well in school. And uh, Tyler is just, uh, he's doing the science stuff. And so uh, either going to do, I think he may be going pre-med now. I'm not sure exactly what all's going on there. And then Nathan is uh, still doing the ministry deal. And I'm speaking a revival at his church this weekend so really kind of excited to do that for the korean youth but they're bringing some other churches together including ours so uh, that'll be a lot of fun so yeah lots going on feel like we've been really really busy but awesome. we're doing okay and paul and i are we went on a date last night which what? was much needed yeah yeah i wanted to go on a date a, with shelly but judah had a baseball game in the rain Actually, it was kind of an at-home date. We we bought the movie Beetlejuice and got some sushi. And we yeah. watched Beetlejuice. I had forgotten a lot of Beetlejuice, and she had never seen it. So we decided never we seen to see Beetlejuice, it this really? October. So yeah. okay, so it was a Halloween date. Yeah, it was like a Halloween theme. Hey, so, listen, we're gonna do something that you guys did uh, for Halloween that? last year. We I took a note out of the Nate Cook book of ministry, and. Um, and we just set up a grill in my front yard, in my driveway. Yeah. And instead of, I mean, we gave out candy, too, to the kids. But we also gave out, like, bottles of water and hot dogs. Because we could tell there were a lot of parents walking around who were thinking, I've right. got to get these kids home to feed them. So yeah. we just fed them a hot dog. And um, 
I mean, we I think we gave away like almost three hundred hot dogs. So that's awesome. It was it was cool. And last like two three weeks ago, I saw a man in town, and he goes, "Dude, you're the guy who lives on the corner, in our on our block. Are you gonna do hot dogs again this year?" <laughs> and I was like, "Well, now you got to." Yes, yes, I am. My neighbors ask me, "Are we doing hot dogs?" Because they're gonna show up. They're like. We're we're planning on spending Halloween at your house helping you give away hot dogs. That's and awesome. What can we bring? And so they they last year they brought uh, chips like we we set up and it rained it came pouring down rain, and, right? Um, and we had awnings set up where we were cooking under the awnings and people just camped out under our awnings. And uh, that's great. And so it was so much fun. But we're going to do that again this year. I don't know why your Beetlejuice story reminded me of that, but. Well, because it's Halloween, we are we're we last year we had four neighborhoods um, from our church represented to do that, and I know we have two already this year, and we're working on a couple more. So uh, we usually give out about a hundred at each. So you guys must have more traffic. So we're we're giving out about four or five hundred hot dogs. Yeah, again. we do. We um, have like so. we have a thousand people come to our neighborhood. There are cars. Yeah, because the houses are close together. The houses are close together. It's just a good neighborhood to to trick or treat. It's around a school, yeah. so it's right like by the school. It's like everybody who comes, all the people who come to the school, uh, come from their neighborhood to our neighborhood. Or it's a lot of them are rural, so uh, right, you know, yeah. they live out in the county, so they they come. Uh, My so neighborhood is not good for this because. A lot of the lots are about an acre, but we're actually this year going to make invites and invite our neighbors because we don't really know as many of them as we want to because mm-hmm. the lots are bigger and people stay to themselves. Yeah, you don't. You're not like right on top of each other. So, um, so we're actually going to invite all of the people on our street, um, and then we'll we will have some traffic because we have some side streets that the lots have been divided up, so they're more like residential lots like half acre or quarter acre or something like that. So, sure. so sure. yeah, we're, we're, we're doing it again um, at the Cook Hacienda and then hoping to have three other houses from the church um, that participate as well, at least a couple. So That's yeah, cool. man, I guess I need to let you go. I'm going to Southern Nazarene to meet with my interns and uh, I give them, excuse me, I give them a hard time when they're late. So uh, I probably shouldn't be late. Oh well, yeah. You're probably probably already made you late, so. No, we're good. We're we're right on time here. So you do know that to be friends with me is to be late. <laughs> I hey, I was mentored by C. B. Glidden, and I love C. B. <laughs> but to be mentored by C. B. Glidden is to be five minutes late. Yeah, shout out to K. Ray K. Ray McDowell on that one too. So, yeah. So yeah. hey, man, we love you guys. I've been missing talking to you, yeah, and I same will here. talk to you again. As soon as we possibly can. So, All right. Later, take man. Care. All right, bye. All right, see you. Hey, thanks again for listening to Pontificating Pastors. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor or any one of the other platforms. We hope you have a great week.